You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 247 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. And if you save this one for your pregame tailgate down to Beaver Stadium on Saturday, you got a loaded show in store for you. Yes, football is back in Beaver Stadium this Saturday. We all get invited this time around. They've been there for some scrimmage action. We were not invited to that, but it's going to be a party on Saturday. The blue white game back to its scrimmage structure. Really, we haven't seen a setting like this for Penn State football since before the pandemic, going back to April 2019. A huge recruiting opportunity, of course, on campus in the coming days. Tyler Calvaruso is going to hop on board with us a little bit later on the show, go over some of the bigger names that have come to campus already this week, some of those who are going to follow to campus for the blue-white action, and also the basketball roster rebuild. we got some news there. It's positive as Penn State has some momentum building under new head coach Mike Rhodes. But we begin this show. Actually, I have one more thing to tease. You may have heard it. You may have seen it reported by Mark Brennan. He broke a big story in the Penn State Athletics landscape. I forgot I added it to our script here at the last second. Multi-million dollar NIL deal for the Penn State Nittany Lions football program, which is obviously going to benefit them. It's been some strong words from James Franklin lately, as recently as this week. And one of those guys who heard from James Franklin got a big dose of him during his visit to campus this week is Josh Pate, who we're happy to have back here on the Alliance 24-7 podcast. So big NIL news. We're going to explore that with Mark Brennan in a bit, who reported it. But first things first, Josh, welcome back to the show. And I know you're back down in Nashville now, but it was nice to see you on campus sharing the practice field with us. We only got our 15-minute peak on Tuesday. You got the full scope of it, but I'm not Josh Pate. Very few of us are. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing, though. That's not a bad thing, like you make it sound. Um so it was great weather all of this week. It was great access, a lot going on around the program. And I know that outside, everyone just wants to talk about, hey, could Penn State win the Big Ten this year? Could they make the playoff? Inside, and I was listening to the Lions 24-7 pod driving up the Susquehanna River up to State College from Harrisburg. It really, it, it's not understood nationally um, the, the depth and scope of that sort of NIL drama. It's not, it's not a this week thing. That's been a, a long time thing around the program. Everyone listening to this knows that. I don't think nationally people get that. Now, Penn State's not the only place that has dealt with that, but each, each situation is unique into itself. And so with Penn State, it was so interesting because uh, right before we went live with Late Kick from Franklin's patio, basically Thursday night, he had a media availability and you guys were down there with him and he talked about being two years behind and he talked about what they envisioned NIL being versus what it is. And, and he told us, I sat down with him for about 45 minutes and he was as open Tyler and as candid and as just blunt as I've heard any head coach be in that setting. Usually what that means is one of two things, either, either you're at your wits end and you have no other alternative or 
things are starting to go your way and now it's time to kick the snowball down the hill. And I think he's been in both camps at various times, but I think lately it's been more the latter. You know, he made, he made it a point to say, we're getting way more yeses now than we've ever gotten in my time here. And he was also honest enough to say, maybe my approach needed to evolve on that too. So, so it's a, it's a work in progress for everyone up there. But anyway, that's what we kind of walked up there in the middle of, and you guys have been living it for a while. Yeah, week five of spring ball, but there's been so much more beyond the field that has really been the epicenter of the conversation here on the podcast and just the dialogue among Nittany Lions fans. But I want to unpack some of that conversation you had with James Franklin because it wasn't just going through the star players and the Big Ten East. It was about college football. And James Franklin's been open and honest with us for a while now. He's grown roots here in Penn, at Penn State, no doubt, a full decade on the job. You don't see a lot of coaches reach that kind of longevity. I, I'd imagine that gives him a comfort to be a little bit more open in those kind of a settings. What stood out to you from his comments about his journey at Penn State, winning some of these 11-win seasons, but taking the next step after the Rose Bowl and getting to where he has stressed, going back to that 2018 loss against Ohio State, great to elite? He talked openly about how wide that gap is. Everybody will tell you that the longest 10% is that final 10% from 90% to the mountaintop, which is 100% of, you know, whatever your goals could be in a given year. And I, I think that's obvious. I think he also stated some other things that you may think are obvious, but it would only be obvious if you and I were talking over coffee. It's obvious if you're a message board poster, if you're a radio show host. He said some things you don't normally hear head coaches say, and I think it speaks to what you just said, the security he has. Because he would tell us some stuff off the record, and I would think to myself, oh, man, I wish I could get him to say that on the record. Well, then we go on the record, and he says 90% of the same thing. That is security. That's job security. That's comfort. That's understanding that the right people have your back. Uh, but also, like, for instance, if you haven't listened to the full interview yet, he talked openly about how his name has been up for other jobs in the past and how you have to use that as a head coach, especially if you're not – getting everything that you need, you don't have many recourses. And one of the tools at your disposal is you leverage some of the talk out there, whether how, how serious or not it is, very few people know, but it's out there. And you leverage that because maybe you're not getting what you need. And he's done that. I mean, it's well documented. He's done that. But here's the thing, Tyler, you and I talking about that's one thing. Him just openly saying it is another thing. And so I appreciated that. Um, I, I appreciate I asked him about the Saban era. Every coach right now exists in what I call the Saban warp, which means if, if you were James Franklin in another era at Penn State and you had four 11-win seasons and you had a Big Ten championship and you had these, these New Year Six Bowl wins and whatnot, you would be thought of in a different echelon than he is right now and that program is right now because there's a guy in Tuscaloosa who's won half a dozen national titles. And then there's a guy who worked for him that's gone on to Georgia and won two of them his own. And so everyone looks at that and they think of that as A level. And anything less than that is B or C or D in descending order. So what used to be an A minus is good for a C plus right now in college football. Is it fair? Is it unfair? Is anyone going to feel sorry for him? No, but uh, he didn't shy away from that stuff. He didn't shy away from expectation. He basically sung the same chorus as everyone else. We've built towards this season. It's time to get the job done. The remarkable thing here is they're pretty well set to start the season inside the top 10 across the board consensus rankings, but probably going to be third in their own division. 
It's tough, and that's another reality that, that we'll see what happens with the Big Ten. We've got big changes on the way, West Coast uh, expansion, and we'll find out what those divisions are going to look like. But I know James Franklin isn't going to say uh, that that they're up against a brick wall, but sometimes it can feel like that for the Penn State faithful. What's your forecast well out of kickoff right now on the Big Ten East and how Penn State fits in in 2023? Well, I, don't, I certainly don't buy into the two-team race talk that a lot of people traffic in. I know why they traffic in it. I don't buy into it. Um, I also, I think that while I'm anti-playoff expansion, there is no program that should be more pro-playoff expansion than Penn State. I mean, me and Manny Diaz off camera <laughs> probably had about as, as good a back and forth on that and as good a debate on that as I've ever had with anyone. And regrettably, it was after we had stopped rolling. He, you know, he's walking out of the room and all of a sudden he's there 20 more minutes and we're going back and forth, and he's stating his case. I'm stating my case, but but I do get the I get the frustration. It's it's like existing in the SEC West in some years. You could you could reasonably be the third best team in the country, or uh, you you could reasonably be like this this fourth or fifth best team in the country. You could be third in that division. There have been years where that's the case. The Big Ten East is the exact same way right now. That's how fans can think about it. Your mentality at Penn State should be, let's just make sure we're one of those two. Let's make sure Ohio State or Michigan are left out in the cold. Uh, because while while the institutionalized mentality of the college football public may be, it's just it's a birthright for Ohio State and Michigan to occupy those one-two spots, that's not the case. It's not the case at all. And while while you could you could give the edge to those teams and those programs, uh, th- this is this is a Penn State program that has stacked some really good classes on top of each other. There's a consensus opinion in that building. They've got their best recruiting staff they've had collectively under James Franklin. That's my opinion too. I didn't need anyone to tell me that he's got, I mean, you got former, you got a former head coach as your defensive coordinator. You got a guy who's capable of being a head coach right now as your running backs coach. I think Mike Yurcich is a, he was an interesting guy to talk to, you know, because I asked him, he was a lot more cerebral. Let me put it that way in his approach and you wouldn't know whether that guy was coming off a six and six season or a national championship season, which is not good or bad. It just is who he is. But that coaching staff, everybody sings from the same hymnal. That's a building where when you walk into it right now, it's it's all business and it's it's obvious everyone's on the same page, all the way from nutrition up to the head coach and um, janitorial service, everybody, same mentality. Well, there's been so much talk about the depth uh, of personnel, but I keep making the case that the depth of the staff and, and the ability for Franklin to build upon that's been a big important part of his journey here at Penn State uh, is really maybe undersold a bit here in 2023 with where they are as a formation of a program. I'm glad you mentioned Manny Diaz because they clearly have a formidable college football CEO in James Franklin. You've got a firsthand experience of that during your trip, but Manny Diaz has all the makings to return to that kind of a role. Some people even surprised he stuck around for year two, considering the success in year one, his past history in a leadership position. But he's got a tremendous unit in place. You can make the case preseason might be the best defense here in the Big Ten, which is a very good defensive league. Moving forward after your conversation with Manny Diaz, where do you think his mindset's at right now? So he made a really good point. He said, you could be the best defensive coordinator in the world. You've got to go to a place that cultivates good defensive culture. That sounds like coach speak that just kind of floats over your head like, oh, they all say that. Think about what he said, though, because he's he's talking about himself. He understands. And, and let me even back up from that. I told him I thought you were going to take a year off when they let you go at Miami. I thought you were going to go do media 
or maybe just sit out a year, live the buyout life and then sort of handpick where your reentry point was going to be because we all know he's going to have those opportunities. And he said, I thought that too. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a game plan when I got fired. And so he said that that perfect opportunity did come along. And the more I talked to James Franklin and the more he presented their approach here, it sold itself to me. And he said it's, he's, it sold itself because no matter how I think of myself as a defensive coordinator, I had to go to a place where the culture lends itself to playing good defense. And you think about USC, think about places led by coaches that don't have that reputation. The mentality is, oh, we just need to go get a good defensive coordinator. And he made the point, and I'll reiterate the point because he's dead on the money. It's funny how sometimes those places that don't have that culture, they hire these, these big name coordinators and the results look the same. It's because the, cult, the topsoil you're planting that coordinator in is not conducive to growth. And so he, he's got the opposite. He's got topsoil that's very defensively fertile. This is the first time that combination of words has ever been used. But it's really, really, it's a good spot for him. And what he's doing is probably accomplishing the same thing he would in a TV studio. The reason I keep mentioning TV is because I'm a believer that no coach ever diminishes his value when he goes and does TV. He only increases his stock. John Gruden got to a point where he got fired from the Bucks, went and did Monday Night Football for years, and he was number one on everyone's list. He's no and different. Manny would coach. kill it. Manny would yeah. kill it. He would yeah. kill it. It would be great. But um, what he would he, what he would gain in the aggregate doing that, he's gaining at Penn State. And he also talked about how it's beneficial to learn under another coach, see another way of doing things. Um, he is very instrumental and valuable as an asset for James Franklin as well in terms of feedback and whatnot. But he said, and it, it, it's in the interview we did with him on Lions 24-7 right now, actually. He, he made a really good point, and I'd never thought of it from that angle, about if you're, if you're picking what you're going to do, make sure you go find that spot where the things outside your control, the culture and the topsoil you plant yourself in, make sure it's rich. And he found a spot that fits that description. By the way, Josh has been referencing some of the videos. We have them all packaged up together at lines247.com. Uh, the primary video is, is Josh's long, ex extensive uh, conversation with James Franklin, but a bunch of other stuff included there with our video links. You're going to see it as part of our content packages throughout Blue White Weekend as well, top articles and stuff. A lot of your face, Josh, on our content in the coming days because of those conversations. And I want to dive into another one of those because you threw the head coach moniker in his direction, Jaywan Sider. It's been a pleasure having football conversations with him uh, over the years. And frankly, I, I've said it before on this podcast, it's it's surprising that he's been there this long. I, I understand that he is valued here, but he is valued in a lot of places, especially to the South. And so for him to be in year six and and with these sophomore running backs and, and, and with the future he may have in this industry, curious what you took away from that discussion, that sit down. There are two guys right now. Jaywan's one of them. Del McGee at Georgia is another one that are position coaches. They're not coordinators. They're position coaches that everyone's kind of waiting to see when do they make the jump. It's a pretty unique situation because both of them make really good money. Both of them are in rooms that are going to be stacked every year at their position. Um, so, so they're not in a hurry to leave. They can afford to wait for the right time. But if you think about the hiring cycle, normally it's either a major program's going and getting a guy who's already been a head coach or they're hiring a coordinator. So the market is not always that deep for a position coach. That doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means it doesn't always happen like that. And so as a result, you know, I was talking to some folks about it. The, the thought is the path for Jaywan 
in any given cycle would probably be take a Mac job, you know, or, or take a lower level AAC job. Well, it doesn't make sense for him to do that unless he's just dying to get a job by any means necessary, which I don't think he is. Having said that, he's a fountain of knowledge. And, and make no mistake now, him being a former quarterback, not only does it behoove him the ability to, um, to coach running backs different and to teach the entire scope of the offensive side of the ball, he talked extensively about, about teaching football players instead of teaching running backs, which is a really good way to go about any position. But he also talked about, you know, for example, I'm always fascinated about practice structure. And when you get into a season, there's this misnomer that everyone's schedule and, and their practice routine is set like a Google calendar. And in reality, the only thing that's set is, you know, you're going to be out on the practice field every Tuesday or Wednesday. You control which drills you're going to run and you got to tailor that to what your guys have looked like so far during the year. And, you know, he talked about the, the lifelong learning aspect of being a coach because you're always trying to acquire different knowledge, different drills, different techniques, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to find yourself in week seven and your guys are struggling with a blindside pass pro and you dig into your bag of tricks and there's nothing there because you've already exhausted everything you know to do. And that's, it seems like common sense, Tyler, but there are so many guys that when they start, when they start making north of that half a million a year figure and they're at an established program, they, they think that validates their existence and they think it validates the idea that they've arrived. They don't need to add anything else. If anything, folks should be coming to them to learn, uh, which the latter part is true, but the former part's not true. You've never arrived. Now, the head coach shouldn't think that way. So certainly position coaches shouldn't. But I would say, not having had him tell me this, my personal observation is enjoy him while you can. Because I, I certainly don't think it's it's just going to be indefinite that he's up there. I've been saying that since year two or year three, and now <laughs> we're in year six. So it, it's extended enjoyment, I think, for, for Penn State fans and what he's been able to do with the running back room. I think back to year one was Miles Sanders' first year as a starter here, uh, and now to where they are with these sensational sophomores. Uh, and additionally, just got getting Quentin Martin on board in the 2024 class, a top player in the state of Pennsylvania, and a transfer last week in Trey Potts coming from Minnesota. He's cultivated quite a thing in that room. One of those uh, sophomores I just referenced, Nick Singleton, and another 2022 All-American freshman uh, was Abdul Carter. You sat down with both of them, got some face-to-face -face time. And I I'm just going to tell you, Josh, Nick, Abdul, in front of a crowd of microphones and cameras, they're not vocal guys yet. They're, they're not, they I don't know if they'll get there. I mean, they're going to have cameras in front of them for a long time, 15 years ahead of them. But right now they're not there. How were they in a one-on-one -on -one setting, and and what did you take away from that? Because both of those guys, sensational freshman years, and the the ceiling is on the rise here. When you talk to any Nittany Lions player, coach, fan, when regarding those two, yeah, a little reserved. Um, I've seen I've seen some of their media scrum settings, and you're right. I would say they were a little more open. Certainly, as you get into it a little bit more, they know they can trust you. You're not going to try and push them up against a wall with some gotcha question they got a little bit more open. I was talking to some of the staff there afterwards and they said, Hey, they, they're a lot better now than they were. And it's really hard. Some people have that naturally. So some people are, are D plus players and a plus talkers. And I would, I would like it to be inverted because I can probably teach you to talk. I can't bring your game up much from a D plus. And so you're talking about two world-class first round caliber talents. Now the position lends itself to maybe uh, some fluctuation there, but I think that, especially with Carter, 
he's got a really good room. He's got some really good guys that he has been able to learn under and can still learn under. And with that running back room, man, you mentioned Potts transferring in there. And that's not a guy I knew a lot about before last week, just honestly. Um, he is a guy who, who goes to a very crowded room. There's a very clear one-two there. And I heard you guys talking about him the other day. And I, I heard you bring the Minnesota guy on, and we're talking about him. And, and sure, he'd probably be starting for Minnesota this year with Mo out of there. And yet he chooses to go to Penn State. Well, I talked to Jaywan about that, and he was very honest about it. He said, I shot straight with him. I, I told him exactly what the deal is. I told him exactly what he's walking into here. And he told me, Coach, I'm betting on myself. And at that point, you say, welcome to Penn State. So, so there's a culture, obviously, there's long since been a culture in that running back room that, that you don't really have to question. But because there's that culture, you don't always need veteran leadership in there. I, I think that culture is sort of the, the unspoken veteran mentality in there, even if there's not a, a fifth-year senior sitting over in the corner. I, I got to get some some takeaways from you on the new quarterback. He's not been named the new quarterback. They're giving Bo Perbula every opportunity to, p- to push for this job. Both are in year two on campus, but Drew Aller was the number one quarterback at 24-7 sports coming out of high school. Everyone's talking about him being able to touch every piece of the uh, – every blade of grass on the field with his with his arm. What did you see? Because you saw a more extended practice period than we have seen at any point this spring. Of course, the, the curtain's going to open a bit for us on Saturday, but you got a long look at number 15. Oh, well, that's your starting quarterback. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, <laughs> I really, really, really good arm. I don't, I don't particularly think he probably had his best day throwing the ball the other day, candidly, when we were there. Um, and that, that's saying a lot because he had a really good day throwing the ball. You can just tell the standard is incredibly high. And uh, having said all that, you know, there's – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I see a lot of myself in him, not in terms of physical skill set. I'm saying when I sat down with him, I'm trying to find where the, where the negatives are. I'm trying to pull pull the admission of bad habits out of him. And he's one of those guys who it would just totally shock me if there was ever a negative headline about him. Because there is there is really like no vibrant social life outside of football and then just going to the dorm room and playing video games. There's There's really nothing going on, which is my life, Tyler. We're in the middle of downtown Nashville, and I am... I am a guy who comes into the office. We do our show. I, I may go to the gym and I'm home. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, to Andy Frank, actually, who works up there in the building. He said, you mean to tell me you live downtown over there and you're, you're never out? You're never you're wasting a spot that someone else could have living there. And I said, look, man, you, you got you a Drew Aller here. I'm not an everyman. I want to be the exception to the rule. At that point, you know, when you throw their own player in their face, what are they going to say back at you? So... I um, I'm interested to watch him this year. He's going to be one of those players who, who obviously, because he's doing something full time for the first time, he, he shouldn't be a finished product in week one. But as we get later into the year and some of those big games are a little bit more backloaded, the ability to throw the ball like he does. And especially if a guy like Cephas were to come in from Kent State and, and bolsters that receiver room like you hope he can. Interesting times ahead for that offense.
I've got a one-year-old at home, so I'm with you and Drew in the non-social uh, evenings as well. I'm not in downtown Nashville, though, which is quite the temptation, so good for you. Uh, you got to get your sleep for your show to stay sharp, I guess. But, Josh, I, I want to finish with this. Um, you got a, a good feel, I'd imagine, for the energy around the facility. I know it was a 48-hour stay on campus, but what do you think about Penn State Nittany Lions coming out of the visit versus going into the visit? Yeah, the intensity level shouldn't have taken me by surprise because I'm not saying I didn't expect it. It's just refreshing when you walk in the building to, to, to be immersed in that. I don't think people understand how intense the buildup to a typical day for a college football player is. Everybody knows you're intense on game days. I mean, we're, we're there in April, and there are four practices or three practices before the spring game even, and just – we were there the day before and it was an off day and you're there the next day and it is a practice day. And man, from the time folks walk in the door in the morning, everything's just gearing up and gearing up and gearing up. And then you got lunch and then you got team meetings and everything's gearing up and you got countdown clocks all over the place. And man, that last 30 minutes, I was in the weight room. I was actually working out as guys are coming through there and they're headed out on the practice field. I heard, I heard you got to work out in. It was a no. Oh, what a facility, man! What, when they when they debut that thing to the public, there's there's some stuff in there I've never seen before. And I see all those weight rooms. There's some stuff in there, and for good reason. They they kind of want to wait to to roll out, but it's an interesting facility. I'll say that. But to watch those guys build up, I think if I were to show people that build up and the the build of intensity, you would think it's a game day, and it's just a spring practice, which that's. That you can't do that overnight. You don't get a program that way overnight. That's it. Really interesting to hear. We we get in for our peak. We do not see that build up aspect as they go for launch. So Josh, appreciate the perspective. Uh, obviously, a lot more of that over at lines247.com and with your coverage at 24/7 Sports. Can you just give our listeners? I know a lot of them are already engaged and they're already following you. But in case they aren't, where can they find you? Yeah, really, really easy. If you want to watch the show, just search Late Kick on YouTube. It, it's its own channel. Um, if you want to listen via podcast, everything we do on that channel is also converted into podcast, Late Kick, wherever you get pods, and uh, at Late Kick Josh. That's the social. Pretty much any platform's the same handle. Josh Pate, always a pleasure. Good to see you in person. Hopefully, we'll see you again uh, down the road. There's going to be some big games here in Happy Valley, so we'll see. I'll see you very soon, Tyler. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. 
Uh, let's get into big news that surfaced today on a Thursday afternoon. And, and Mark Brennan served up that news with his breaking report at lines247.com. And we bring him on board right now. Mark, you got to follow up Josh Pate. So first off, good luck. Well, I'm wearing the long sleeves because I didn't want to embarrass Josh with my massive biceps. <laughs> but nice, uh, nice. hey, listen, I just want to throw a shout out to Josh. What a great job he did um, with uh, with everything visiting Penn State. I mean, the content that we were able to get out of that. He's obviously an expert interviewer. And, and the questions he asked and the answers he got were just absolutely tremendous. So, so to have that sort of talent representing the 24-7 Sports Network and, and in effect, our site uh, was just fantastic. So, you know, just a, a great reporter, great at what he does. And it, it was uh, very cool. If people have not seen Josh's content, uh, check it out because it's as in-depth as it gets. And he had unique access and took advantage of it and did a tremendous job. Well, if people thought that that Josh Pate showing up to campus was going to be the biggest deal of Blue White Week, uh, maybe they were right until Thursday because a multi-million dollar commitment has come through to the Penn State football-focused NIL collective, Lions Legacy Club. Mark, you were first to report this. You had a pretty in-depth write-up at lions247.com. Take us through some of the details that matter, and we'll talk about the timing of it after we, after that. Yeah, I think one of the important things to remember is that the the way these NIL collectives work or the way NIL works, and this is an ongoing educational process, I think, for fans, for media, uh, for everybody. But if you line up NIL donors, they can't just deal directly with the Penn State football program. They can, if they want to, deal directly with players, uh, but if you want to have uh, major donors on the NIL front dealing with a program in general, there has to be an intermediary. And that's where the collective uh, Lions Legacy Club comes in. And this is an outfit that is dedicated to, to NIL opportunities for the football program. A little bit different than Success with Honor, which is trying to represent all sports at Penn State. Uh, but let's let's face it. I mean, if you want to compete at the highest level, you need your football program and your men's basketball program, the two massive ge uh, revenue-generating sports, obviously football at a super high level, you know, men's basketball not at the same level but still generating serious money. You need those sports to be taken care of. And that's not a knock on any other of the other sports. My daughter played high school sports. I'm all for women's sports and girls' sports at the, at the lower levels, uh, women's sports at the college level. Uh, but you have to take care – of the revenue driver. And it was good to see that finally they were able to get some sort of uh, significant donation lined up uh, through Lions Legacy to help uh, the Penn State football program and all its NIL opportunities. And a key piece of this puzzle is that these are Penn State alumni stepping up to the plate as well. I know that's been an important thing when so much talk about having a very large global uh, alumni network. And some people have been a bit frustrated in that merit, not really resulting in the NIL funds now to this point, but uh, you're seeing some, some major, major funds donated here. Yeah. And one of the cool things, West Shore, Shore Home, uh, that was an operation out of Mechanicsburg, PA, I think it is. Last year made some headlines by, by uh, signing a significant deal with Nick Singleton kind of tells you how forward thinking they are. They kind of they kind of knew uh you know what was on the horizon. It's kind of funny because 
you know, we were just going back and kind of unrelated news, revisiting the stats from the 2022 uh, blue-white game. And Nick Singleton had four carries for what, like zero yards or something? He barely played, but I think a lot of people kind of understood what was coming. And then uh, Miter Brands, uh, these are two construction-related firms uh, for, with Pennsylvania roots. And I think to see those kind of businesses stepping up and doing this is really, really a good thing. And and to to for for West Shore to start at the level they did, and then to realize the value of it, and then to take it to an even different level, not just with a single player, but with the with the Lions Legacy Collective, I, I think is pretty cool. Also, you know, huge shout out to Mike Motti. He's been with Lions Legacy from the beginning. He's kind of been the you know, one of the former player faces of it. He's a guy that Penn State fans have always rallied around. So, you know, he played a big role in this from what I understand. And and listen, you know, on the Penn State end of things, uh, not direct dealings, I don't think, but the job Dan, Cab- Dan Kabbalah and the rest of the staff have done just on the NIL front, knowing some of the challenges. You know, James Franklin talked about some of the challenges that they've been dealing with, the kind of the uphill climb uh, that they've had, they've kept grinding and grinding and grinding, and to see the the benefits of this, I think is just positive. I don't think I I don't think you could you could find a negative in this, Tyler. You know, maybe I'm usually Mister Skeptical. You know that, but as I look at this, I just think it's a win for uh, for these businesses because obviously it worked out well for West Shore with Singleton last year. It's obviously a win for Lions Legacy because it's able to be the middleman there. And it's clearly a win for Penn State football, especially coming after what James Franklin said earlier in the week where he thought they were a couple years behind a lot of other programs. Well, you know, he said there was a lot of heavy heavy lifting left to do. And I think this may have been part of the start of that heavy lifting on on the NIL front. And those alumni that we referenced, uh, BJ Wurzen is the president of West Shore, Matt DeSoto, the CEO of MITRE, as you referenced both of those companies. And I, I slipped up a little bit. I, I referred to this as a donation while I was asking you that question. That's, that's me thinking about college football before 2021. Uh, and this is a corporate partnership, and that, that's, that's what we're looking at now. And so, look, to get this done, to get this out in the public sector, to get people talking about it, we're, what, nine days removed from Brandon Short coming on this podcast and, and you know, really – talking about some things that made folks feel yeah. uncomfortable, maybe made them feel angry. Nine days later, this is right on the precipice of all packing back into Beaver Stadium. People are trying to figure out if they want to jump on board with NIL, if it's if it's something they feel comfortable with. What do you think the timing of this does for the overall scope? Oh, I, I just think the way that everything played out with Micah Shrewsbury, you know, and – the, the just the disaster that that the, the the look that that had for Penn State from an NIL perspective and then for things to come around relatively quickly they're still not where they need to be but again this is a, the, the, you're not going to get to where you want to be without taking significant steps so to be able to take some of those significant steps to me is just super super important and to do it in a high profile week like this is really important as well i mean listen you know we've talked about how Penn State has stacked one huge recruiting weekend after another this spring. It's different than it used to be. I mean, these these weekends, it's it's re, on on non blue white game weekends. They're getting a hundred kids, 
you know, <laughs> here to check out. Uh, Tyler Calvaruzzo is up next. Stay tuned. Yeah. Tyler Calvaruzzo is coming up next. Exactly. But And then for Blue White Weekend, it's going to be more than 150. It will probably, I mean, by the end of it. And then you factor in parents. So the point being, when you talk about NIL, that the whole perspective of NIL, it, it, these kids see it and they hear it and they see things that are tweeted and they see things that are written. So it's important to them and it's important to the players in the program to know that steps are being made. And, and so that's where I just think this is super important. I, I wanted to bring up the one comment James Franklin made and, and bear with me for one second here that really kind of jumped out at me uh, from Tuesday. And for people who weren't following along, uh, he was asked about, you know, Penn State's where Penn State kind of stood from an NIL perspective. And really for the first time, he expressed some displeasure over exactly where they were, you know, saying that uh, they, they've made strides, but there was essentially a long way to go. And I'm trying to bring up the one part. Yeah, it's we just saw some decisions that weren't completely made in the basketball program. I mean, what is the, so that's telling you that would Micah Shrewsbury still be here if. Um, if everything had gone to plan NIL wise, I don't know. He may have been leaving anyway, but I do know that in listening to Brandon short and his account of what happened on a, a key NIL call, you can understand how that could have been, you know, the, the, the proverbial straw that, that, that could have been, you know, a point where a coach just says the heck with it. Uh, and you can't have that. You just can't have that. So I think all of this just, coming out of the spring after some of the infighting that was going on to come out of the spring with this sort of positive news with this sort of positive announcement, I think is nothing but a, but, but a positive thing for Penn state uh, football for Lions legacy and for the people who are willing to donate. And you cross the threshold when you have a public commitment out there in the open now versus telling a kid on a recruiting visit, we got a lot of things in the works uh, you know, they're, they're coming down the pipeline, you can now point to this and say, here's how it's benefiting our current student athletes. Here's what they're getting out of the deal. Here's what they have to do at, to hold up their end of the bargain. Because you got to make it clear, you know, you're not just getting a, a paycheck. You have to to have you're going to have some uh, partnership with the NIL. You're going to have yeah, uh, you know engagements. You're going to have appearances. And so I, I think to be able to to start to get that structure in place here and to be able to expand that pool and i know they're doing other other routes of doing that it's not just going to be multi-million dollar done uh you know deals that get the job done here but this is really where you could see penn state assert itself as a true force because we're going to see a lot of teams that we have come to become accustomed to in the top 25 or in the conversation they're going to slide because of this and it may take three four five years i know penn state fans are wary of, of, of the nittany lions falling into that category but now we're seeing momentum that it's going in the opposite direction and uh, there is going to be a slide back to the pack. And I think Penn State's now well positioned and primed to move to the forefront of college football where they're already really within striking distance of. Yeah. And, and another thing I wanted to mention, I mean, there's a train of thought out there from, from certain uh, corners uh, where people are actually saying, well, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to publicize, you know, what these deals are because that will tell other schools what, what Penn State's doing. What are you nuts? I mean, you want the kids to know, and yeah, you can, you could, that could be communicated to them effectively, you know, one on one or whatever. But you also want other 
fans and stuff to understand what it takes. I mean, again, this is a learning process for so many people, and understandably so. This is completely different than the way things have ever worked before. Completely different. And it's very difficult for people to wrap their heads around it. And the the the, the more uh the, the less transparent you are, the more difficult it is for everybody to get a kind of a working knowledge of this. And that was the other part of this. I love the fact that Pat Kraft was quoted in the release. You know, he he understands, he knows. I mean, he 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 knows that it's part of his job to make sure that Penn State fans understand. And your point is a good one. It's not going to all be multi-million dollar donations. I mean, if that, if that's I mean, yeah, it would be great if you get 15 20 of those, you, you you're going to be set. <laughs> but practically speaking and realistically speaking, that's not going to happen. Uh, so just the fact that people are seeing, okay, Penn State has a major donor. Well, you know, maybe Fan X then is like, you know, I'm seeing these people. They're obviously well-to-do businessmen. What could I afford? Could I pop in a hundred bucks? I mean, what, whatever it could be, and that's what it's getting at. So I, I just think the the more transparency, the the more info that's out there, the more publicity these things get. I think is nothing but but good in terms of letting fans understand what's going on. And then the other part of it is if you're talking about recruits, I mean, give me a break. You cannot possibly get that message across to every single recruit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of this stuff, you you don't know. There could be some prospect in Washington State or Texas or, or somewhere who sees this news about this NIL uh, stuff coming together for Penn State and, you know, that's kind of in the back of their mind. And when maybe they get an offer from Penn State or something a month from now, oh, yeah, I remember they had some, they have some NIL things cooking there. So that's not the sort of stuff that you're going to communicate to every single person. And it could open some more eyes to recruits around the country. So I just think the whole thing about not being transparent, I, I, don't, I don't buy that with, with whatsoever. I think that is a, a flawed way of looking at this. I think the more information people have, the more information recruits have, the more information fans have, the better off Penn State's going to be. Mark, really appreciate the perspective and your reporting. Uh, we, we covered a lot of ground on the blue-white game uh, with our Tuesday podcast. I'll see you back in the Beaver Stadium press box. we got some football to watch on Saturday. Uh, until then, enjoy yourself. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Huge recruiting weekend, and be sure to people, we have a great recruiting, a great VIP uh, promotion going on right now. Basically boils down to five bucks a month for a year. Can't beat it. I mean, it's a great, great opportunity. You'll hear from Tyler Calvaruso, and we have on the 24-7 Sports Network the best recruiting analysts in the world. Uh, so to have the great work that Tyler does and to be supported by Brian Doan and True and Wilt Fong and all those guys, just a huge, huge thing for us. So uh, hop on board, five bucks a month, uh, limited time deal. We appreciate it. All right, Mark. Talk to you soon. Yep. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, let's get over to the aforementioned Tyler Calvaruso right now. And we have a lot of focus on the field this Saturday, obviously. And Mark, myself, and Daniel Gallon will be in the press box with our binoculars trying to do the best we can to keep track of personnel on what will be a rapidly paced practice session and scrimmage action. But in the stands, on the sidelines, out in front of Beaver Stadium upon team arrival, you're going to see a large collection of recruits, as Tyler Calvaruso and company have reported at lines247.com. Tyler, how you doing? Doing well, man. It's a nice, it's a nice uh, little break here from compiling the uh, visitors list. I think we're up to like 70 names now. Jeez. I'm always afraid to pull you away during a week <laughs> like this, but appreciate you. This is the second time we've had you on the podcast. Last time we were reviewing the, the previous weekend. Every weekend's been a pretty significant deal here since the start of spring ball, but obviously the blue-white weekend takes that up another notch. Uh, what are we looking at here in terms of a recruiting event in Happy Valley? I think the better question is what aren't we looking at with the number of kids <laughs> making it to campus and, you know, the number of priority targets making it to campus. And look, I, I feel like I say this with every big recruiting weekend and every big recruiting event that Penn State has, but it's really just a prime opportunity for the staff to continue selling its vision to its top targets. And, you know, you're going to have a bunch of commits in town. That's always important when it comes to selling future prospects on what Penn State truly has to offer, what it's like playing for the staff, you know, what it's like connecting with those guys those kinds of pitches from kids who are already committed that resonates with uncommitted recruits. So there's going to be a lot of that going on. And man, it, it's a lot for the staff to balance this weekend between the number of kids getting to campus and the blue white game itself. But that's why they get paid the big bucks and they're ready to take this on a lot of big names making it to campus, a lot of top targets. So this is a weekend where Penn state could definitely clean up a little bit on the trail and stay hot. And it's not just eyeballs on the team on Saturdays It's it, or on the weekends. I'll be at practice on Tuesday, Tyler, and James Franklin's patio, the deck out there on Lash, was just packed with prospects and their families, you know, eyeballing practice. And and that's been like that on a lot of the Tuesdays we've been on the practice field. They have – and Josh Pate talked about this. There is a strong sense right now at Penn State that what they're working with from a recruiting staff structure – just in terms of people getting it done at a high level, uh, it, it's really taking them to a place that they maybe hadn't been able to reach. Um, and, and this weekend is going to be another big challenge for that, another big opportunity for that. But before we get there, Tyler, I do want to address, there's been some big names already coming through during week five of spring ball ahead of the blue-white game. And that includes the very top overall, uh, one of the top overall prospects in the upcoming 2025 class of four Pence, uh, for Pennsylvania, Zahir Mathis. I'm telling you, we saw this guy at Camp Action last summer. He wasn't even camping. He was walking around in a T-shirt and, and shorts. And I had to take a look. I thought maybe he was one of the early enrolled Penn State freshmen that I was like, who is this? Did you just get to campus? Nope. Turned out he was just coming up on his sophomore season at Imhotep Institute in Philadelphia, considered one of the premier edge defenders in the 2025 classic. I could certainly grow into that defensive line role as well. Yeah, he's, he's got some growing to do still. But I mean, man, he, he, he physically it looks like he's ready to go for it at a power five level right now. I mean, that kid's a beast. And probably the biggest name that Penn State has had on campus so far this week, just, you know, three straight cycles of keeping the top-ranked recruit in Pennsylvania home. 
Penn State wants to continue that with Mathis. I got the chance to catch up with Zahir a little bit coming out of his visit. It seemed like things went really well. The relationship with Deion Barnes is coming along nicely. It's still in its early stages after Barnes took over for John Scott Jr., but it's really not that big of a deal in the sense that Barnes is already so well-known in Philly, and he's been a part of Mathis's recruitment already. I know he's a 2025 kid, but Barnes, there's already plenty of familiarity there. So things are trending nicely for Penn State in that regard. He's just one of those guys you want to keep getting back on campus, getting him more comfortable with the surroundings, getting him more comfortable with the staff. That's what it takes to land the top-ranked recruit in Pennsylvania. We saw it with Quentin Martin and how many times he visited Penn State throughout the course of his recruitment. We saw it with Javen Williams, and we saw it with Nick Singleton before that. So the more you get these guys on campus, the better your chances are going to be. That kind of goes without saying, regardless of geographic location or anything of that nature, the more you get a guy on campus, the better your chances are going to be. But especially when it's a Philly guy from Imitep, you want him around as much as possible. You want him around the staff as much as possible. And that's what Penn State is looking to accomplish with Mathis. So Tuesday was a positive step in the right direction. That's for sure. It's going to be interesting to see when he gets back next. That's in the works. But I would say some good ground was covered while Mathis was in Happy Valley. So Penn State picked up the, the top 2024 Pennsylvania prospect uh, last weekend and Quentin Martin, the running back. And then you've got the, the 2025 talent on campus here uh, at a memo and, and oh, by the way, uh, his teammate as well, uh, an offensive lineman, Zafir Stewart out of Motep. Uh, just, to, just to clarify, it's been a, a really good recruiting location for Penn State of late. Uh, they've got Keon Wiley out of that program. He's in his second year now at the linebacker position, coming along under Manny Diaz's guidance. And then, of course, already in the 2024 class, you've got Kenneth Wosley, who's a four-star cornerback committed out of Motep. Now, we, we talked about the 2025 prospect, but we're here with Zafir Stewart, who's an offensive lineman. He is a 2024 guy. I'd say Stewart's an interesting uh, – he's an interesting topic. He's an interesting recruit in the 2024 cycle. Is he an interior guy at the next level? That's how Penn State has looked at him for a little bit. Is he a tackle at the next level? Penn State has also given him some consideration there as well. I think just Stewart as a whole, when it comes to him and his interest of level and his recruitment, Penn State's at the top. And if Penn State – they ramped up its pursuit a little bit and pushed. It could probably land him. That that's the intel that that's been the intel for a little bit since he's been visiting since the winter. He got on campus for January junior day, and Pense has been at the top of his list pretty much since then. There are some things being worked up on, you know, academically. Just again finding that fit for him at the next level as well. Where does he fit in, and what is the best chance for him to be a contributor on the Penn State offensive line? That's being tossed around as well. So he's going to be back on campus this weekend for the blue-white game. It'll be interesting to see if anything comes about there. I think some conversations will be had, and we'll see where things are with him coming out of that visit. But Stewart's definitely a name to know. If not anything else, I mean, he's, a, he's an Imitep kid. So he, he's always on the radar no matter what, given the school, given the program that Penn State has had success at. And, you know, look, He's a pretty good player as well. So there's a lot going there. And like I said, we'll see what comes out of the weekend. But Stewart, definitely a name to know. Definitely on the radar heading into this weekend. And, and Cooper Cousins, of course, uh, the, the lone representative on the, on the offensive line for the 2024 yes. class. He's a darn good one. He's a top 24-7 prospect. But it just seems like Penn State is really well positioned for a lot of guys. We, we talked about it on Tuesday. I don't want to rehash it on this episode. But uh, Kevin Haywood, an in-state prospect, one of the top tackles in the 2024 class coming back to campus. Uh, Satterwhite, William Satterwhite uh, from, from Ohio coming back to campus. Uh, another guy who Penn State may be looking to, 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 to close with. You know, A lot of opportunities here for Penn State on the offensive front. And I want to finish off the conversation of who's been around this week by going to down to the 2025 class again, 
heading to Virginia at Maury High School in Norfolk. Maybe familiar with that from Keandre Lambert Smith's high school star career. This is a top 50 kind of level recruit in the 2025 class. Uh, a six foot five, 220 pound edge rusher. Use your kind of imagination. He's got a whole half of his high school career left ahead of him. Yeah, Ari Watford, he's another early test for Deion Barnes. We talked about Mathis. He's probably Barnes' biggest early test when it comes to 2025 recruiting on the defensive line. Watford's right behind him in that regard. Virginia, we talked plenty about Penn State's success recruiting Virginia recently, and that's something that they're looking to continue in the 2024 and 2025 cycles. Watford's probably their top guy on the board coming out of that state right now. I mean, he's that high level of a prospect. He's on campus right now as we speak, actually. So we're going to look to see what comes out of that visit, how that relationship with Barnes is forming. Because while Barnes had that familiarity with Mathis, a lot of that had to do with Mathis being a Philly kid and, you know, just having more familiarity overall with the program as an in-state guy. Watford being from out of state, it's important for him to get back to campus, meet with Barnes in person, watch how he is, just, you know, breaking film down with his players, how he is on the practice field, all that good stuff. So that's the goal with Watford being on campus right now. And before we do move on past who's been on campus this week and shift gears to the weekend, another guy who's on campus right now, we found out about maybe 20, 30 minutes ago, is uh, Josiah Brown, top 2024 20, wide receiver target out of New York. So while this weekend's stealing all the headlines, man, there's plenty going on today <laughs> as well. You know, Brown, he's been one of the top guys at receiver for a while, looking to get back for an official in June. That date's still to be determined, at least publicly. So – getting him on campus before all the craziness of this weekend, it's kind of affords the staff maybe a little bit more of an intimate kind of visit, you know, with less guys on campus. So that's probably a plus, but Penn State's right in the thick of thing with, with Brown. They're going to look to take advantage of getting them in town today. It has been day after day after day with the recruiting visits. You've done a great job uh, keeping your finger on the pulse of everything, along with Brian Doan and, and the rest of our recruiting team. Alan True chiming in with some reporting today as well from the Midwest. And uh, let's get into this list this week. We're not going to go down it. it. You can go check it out, lines247.com. It has been growing all week. We'll have a lot of, of analysis on it. it leading up to Saturday and the big event. I know Brian Doan has, has has a big piece that he's working on. I know you have some things in the works, but one of the headliners here is Liam Andrews. And, and speaking about that 2024 offensive line class and what they maybe would like to do there, Liam Andrews was as impressive as any offensive lineman that, that I saw come to campus last year on committed. thought all the Penn State commits were, were, were high in their regard. They were right there as well. But Liam Andrews, to me, among uncommitted recruits, and he still was heading towards his junior year, really stood out. Now there's conversation about him being a two-way Power 5 lineman prospect, which obviously adds another dynamic to this. But a player out of the Dexter School in Brookline, Massachusetts, we know Penn State has brought in some serious talent from New England. What do you make of this visit uh, for Liam Andrews, who's got you know a lot of teams coming calling right now? So just starting off positionally, because we, we've gotten into a little bit previously about Andrew's desire to play on the defensive line at the next level. I know Penn State's looking at him to play on the offensive line, but hey, look, if you just want to get the kid on board and then figure it out later, why not You know, deliver that defensive line pitch? Maybe that's just what it's going to take to get him. And it's not like Andrew's is a lesser defensive line prospect either. You know, I think that I personally think his ceiling is higher on the offensive side of the ball. But if he were to be a defensive lineman at the next level, we're not talking about a guy who can't play the position at a high level. He's a power, he's a legitimate power five defensive line prospect as well. So if that's, you know, the route that he wants to go, maybe that's something Penn State opens up to as its recruitment of him goes on. Right now, it seems though like it's priority, the priority of the staff is more on the offensive line. 
when it comes to where Penn State is at in this recruitment, I would say this might sound a little bit weird, but I'd say Andrew's not being around for a while leading up to this weekend might actually be a good thing for Penn State, and here's why. In the winter, he was kind of trending away from Penn State a little bit. At least that was the intel we were getting. He opened things up a little bit more throughout the winter. He made some more visits elsewhere to places he hadn't been. And I think that kind of afforded him the opportunity to stack up other programs to Penn State and see how things were and the pros and the cons of each program weighed against Penn State. And I think, honestly, it probably helped Penn State in that regard because he realized, hey, maybe some of these places weren't as attractive as I originally thought they were going to be, or maybe they don't stack up to Penn State in one way or the other. So getting him back on campus this weekend is obviously big because you want to keep reestablishing that relationship, which is already a good one. I mean, we've talked about Phil Trotway has known Liam Andrew way, way back in his recruitment. So that's our longstanding relationship that's working in Penn State's favor. Again, another visit where you want to see what comes out of the weekend, but getting them back now, pretty good timing. Yeah, no doubt about that. And 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 from a, a top 100 prospect on the offensive front to maybe the defensive front uh, to a top 100 prospect in the defensive backfield, Aaron Scott out of Springfield High School in Ohio, considered the number four cornerback recruit in the 2024 class by 24-7 sports, the number one prospect out of the state of Ohio, and he'll be cozying up in Beaver Stadium on Saturday. Now, we've talked about what Penn State has accomplished in their cornerback uh, recruiting class already with 2024, three guys on board, two out of Florida, another out of Philadelphia. Significant opportunity here, though. It definitely is. I mean, top 24-7 guy who's really, really talented. He's actually a top 100 guy. He's more than a top 24-7 guy. He's one, he's one of the best cornerbacks in this class. He's Hasn't top been on 50. He's top he's 50. Top 50. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, see, I'm selling, him, I'm selling him short today, man. But – Nah, I, if Jan Franklin and the staff could pull this one off. I mean, I, Terry Smith's been red hot, so I can't really put anything past him. I mean, getting Scott on campus, it's a big deal, man. It's really big. You know, you get the chance to get him around to the facilities and really just take him around and show him his fit in the secondary. The number we keep hearing with cornerback recruiting this cycle is four. I, I don't think they would take five corners because Jameer Grimsley's also high on the board. I would say him and Scott are on the – same level and they're in the same tier when it comes to the Penn State cornerback board right now. Now, while I don't think they would take five if both did want to join the class, I think <laughs> you'd take those five. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's not <laughs> even that. I just think that I think there is a path because yes, you might have five corners in theory, but one of those guys might wind up at safety. You know, Antoine Belgrave Shorter could wind up at safety. All these things are being discussed. So if both do want to join the class, it's not like one is going to be shut out. At least that's the indication that we're getting. So getting Scott on campus, they're going to make to they're going to look to make that push. I have a tough time seeing this one wind up any other way other than Ohio State's way. I know the Buckeyes are the favorite on the crystal ball right now. I just feel like they're going to lock this one down at some point. But Penn State is there. This isn't a lost cause by any chance. This isn't a last hurrah with Scott getting him on campus. He's listening to the pitch. So while he's in town, he's going to be a top priority. Yeah, he told Alan True that he's looking at at a midsummer commitment, mm -hmm. uh, trying to work out that official visit plan. Uh, has a top twelve out, so he, he's got some whittling down to do as he works his way towards towards a decision. Uh, let's talk about a tandem out of Texas here, the Woodlands in Texas. A couple of twenty twenty five standouts, and you've been reporting on these two for a while. Running back Keandre Barker, who's a top 100 overall recruit. He's the number nine running back in 24-7 sports assessment early on for the 2025 cycle. And then Paul Nell, ex-Farrakhan, uh, on rank to this point, but 
a dozen offers to his credit, six foot, 170, pa- 170 pounds, sophomore wide receiver. Again, both from the same high school, the Woodlands in Texas, both expected in Beaver Stadium. How big of a deal is this and, and how much do we need to buy into the foundation that's been built in these recruitments already? You know, I'll say this. It's, it's really early with both. And Penn State is in a really good spot with both early in their process. I think the door is open for both of them to join the 2025 class. But we all know the philosophy of the staff and James Franklin's overall philosophy on committing and making sure it's the right decision for you as a recruit. And, you know, you're all in and you've considered everything that goes along with that. And anytime you're talking about guys in a future class, you know, you're going to have that conversation with them before they get around to committing or pledging. It's just how this staff does things. But it's definitely a big deal to get them on campus before the end of spring practice because they've been talking about visiting for a while. They've been talking about playing together at the next level for a while. And Penn State gives them the chance to do just that. We've had the crystal ball in for Barker for, what is it, I'm probably more than a month now. Today is the 13th. So actually exactly one month I think I put that crystal ball in. So that one's been longstanding. Farrakhan, I don't have a pick in yet. That's probably going to change soon. But, I mean, we've been hearing a ton of positives with him. If they want to join the class and, you know, everyone's comfortable with what that entails, I think there's definitely a good chance it could happen this weekend. Uh, We will stay tuned on that. And I I want to talk about the potential for commitments this weekend in in just a moment. But let's talk about the basketball roster rebuild, Tyler, because you've been covering that. They're going to use the transfer portal. Uh, Haven't used the recruiting class to this point, although there's some things hanging in the balance. You've You've been keeping tabs on the freshman class from last year. There is so much to juggle when it comes to basketball and trying to build this thing back up after an NCAA tournament run under Micah Shrewsbury, but seems to be moving in a positive direction after a couple weeks of on clarity, Kanye Clary announcing on Thursday that he is going to stay with Penn state for his sophomore season as a guard. We'll talk about some of the pickups. We talked about ACE Baldwin already. There's another out of VCU, but what do you make of the Clary? I guess it's a recommitment to the program because he's already been here. He never entered the portal and he's not leaving now. I'd say it's just some positive PR at this point, man, because I never got the vibe that Clary was going anywhere. So him coming out and making that announcement when keeping him around was – it was a priority for Mike Rhodes and the staff. They wanted to keep him on board pretty much as soon as they got around Kanye and realized the kind of person he was, and they already knew about him as a player. They decided that they want him to be a foundational piece of this roster rebuild, and that has come to fruition. He's been working out with the staff, and it's pretty clear that he's a fit in Mike Rhodes' system. So there's not really going to be any concerns with that, about him playing alongside Ace Baldwin or anything like that. All that's already been hashed out. Kanye's comfortable with the plans that the Penn State staff has for him. So it's we talked about Ace Baldwin as a foundational get out of the portal and keeping a guy like Clary around who's already – he's familiar with the program, familiar with the school. You know, fans can look at him and see a leader. So – it's it's definitely, man, I got to say, the staff's off to a heck of a start getting this rebuild going. Kind of – I think I said it when Rhodes first got hired that Penn State fans might not be in for as much suffering as they might have originally anticipated when Shrewsbury left. I think you're kind of starting to see that come together now between getting Baldwin and keeping Clary and some of the other things that are in the works in the portal. I mean, it's all trending in a really great direction for Penn State. We had Adam Fickelstein, who was the basketball scouting director at 24-7 Sports, on this podcast uh, last year. And he was really banging the drum for, for Kanye Clary, who you know, he was a three-star prospect, but but just saying that he was the kind of culture driver who could do a lot uh, for a program that, that, that doesn't have a lot of that foundation underneath its feet. And now they have even less than when he got there, and, and he's going to be one of those pieces. But the, the kind of 
personality in this locker room. And we know he's a tenacious player and got some opportunities to, to flash later in the season at guard. But seems like the kind of personality that if you can keep on campus, that's a big win for Mike Rhodes and company as, you, as you're going to be adding a lot of uh, you know, guys coming in from different towns and transplant situations. And you're trying to let them grow some roots to have guys with those roots already underneath their feet. That's important. What are you, else are you hearing about? that freshman now turns sophomore class with the Nittany Lions because there's some things left on resolve there beyond Clary, of course. Yeah, you have, you know, Demetrius Lyle, he's it's looking more and more likely like he's going to stick around. Jameel Brown, I wouldn't be surprised to pull his name out of the transfer portal at some point here soon. And that would be another guard returning for Mike Rhodes to play in his rotation. That'd be a pretty impact get, I would say. I like Brown's potential. Evan Mahaffey, I'd say it's 50-50. I think he's given it some serious consideration. And then with Keba, I'm not really sure. I wouldn't say it's likely he returns. I think it's more likely that he leaves. But Penn State's not dead in that regard. He's listening there as well. And the Nittany Lions and this new staff are getting consideration. So – it's gonna it's gonna be more than Clary coming back, uh, you know, with, between Lyle and Brown and the possibility for Mayfield to return. It, it's some good. It's a really it's a good opportunity for Mike Rhodes to retain some more foundational pieces. It lightens the load that you need to do in the portal, and it allows you to maybe you know shift some of your focus to finding these late flyers in the twenty twenty three class, finding some young talent. If you could keep guys who are already familiar with the program in town, so. There's a lot going on right now, man. It's going to be a busy – we talk about a busy weekend on the football front. It's going to be a busy weekend on the basketball front as well. Yeah, let, let's talk about some of those potential opportunities here for Penn State basketball with the Blue-White weekend. But first, uh, the, the newest addition to the 2023-2024 roster, you know, Ace Baldwin Conference Player of the Year, major headlines with his Easter commitment to Penn State, joining uh, and following Mike Rhodes to campus. But Nick Kern Jr., another one of those VCU players who hit the portal pretty quickly after Rhodes – came to Happy Valley. There's other names out there. This is one that you've been reporting on for a while. Came to fruition on Wednesday night, announcing that he too will be joining Mike Rhodes here in Happy Valley. Yeah, we heard that one might have been wrapped up as early as last weekend. So to see it come together before Blue White weekend, excuse me, geez, not, not really much of a surprise. Kern Jr., he kind of embodies what Mike Rhodes' system is all about as a defender. He's long, he's athletic. He'll give you heck on the wing if you're a smaller guard out there. Good luck if you get switched on to him and he's guarding you because he'll use his length to just take away almost everything from you. And offensively, he's more he, he's your traditional slasher. He's good at getting downhill. He's good at finishing at the rim. He's not much of a shooter. He only attempted eight threes last season, hit two of them. So we're talking about 25% shooter from beyond the arc. Penn State's not going to be looking at him to provide that offensively. So Mike Rhodes and the company, they're well aware of what they're bringing to the table with him offensively. So not much of a concern there. Just a high energy guy, a high motor guy, kind of one of those culture setters, in my opinion. You know, he, people are going to feed off his energy and he's going to be a big part of the rotation. He, he became more and more trusted for Mike Rhodes as a sophomore. So Kern Jr., I'm expecting some pretty big things out of him now that he's on board. A big development was another VCU uh, I guess I can almost say former VCU player at this point, uh, deciding he's going to be on campus this weekend. He's not alone, but he's the headliner, Jalen Deloche. Break down how that happened and then tell us who else we need to know in terms of transfer visitors because Penn State basketball, we talked about all the names on campus for football. They've got a chance to see their roster come together in a hurry if some of these dominoes fall and this weekend could really push those. 
Yeah, Delos was supposed to be at Indiana for an official visit this weekend. Mike Woodson got knee surgery and had to scrap all the visits he had scheduled for this weekend. So he'll be trading in the Indiana visit for a Penn State visit. And to be honest, I'd be surprised if he ever makes it to Indiana for that visit at this point. He said he wants to make it back later in the month, but all, all the signs are pointing towards some pretty positive things happening for Penn State with Delos this weekend. Just the familiarity with Rhodes. He has a bunch of his teammates on board now. It just... All the intel has indicated that Penn State's in a pretty good spot. So don't be surprised if Deloach – also, don't be surprised if he continues to take all of his visits and gets out and see the other schools that are on his top six. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility either. But just a lot of positive vibes from the Penn State side right now and getting him on campus on such a big weekend. It's big because obviously it wasn't originally scheduled and it wasn't originally anticipated. And then joining him on campus. Baldwin and Kern Jr. are going to be on campus this weekend, so that's another thing. They're going to be able to sell the Loach on Happy Valley. And then you got Virginia Tech guard Darius Maddox making it to campus for his visit. And he, he's an efficient kind of guard. I've been covering him since he was at Oak Hill back when Seton Hall was recruiting him really hard. And just really efficient two-way player. He, he plays within the flow of whatever system he's playing in. Heady player. Does, does a lot of the right things. Kind of one of those guys you love to coach if you're a coach. So – we talk about Deloach and the impact that he could have as a portal addition. I, I could argue Maddox is just as important. I think he adds just as many positive qualities to that Penn State backcourt. And if you could bring in a guy like Maddox to go along with Baldwin and now Clary, I mean, you're doing a lot of things right if you're this Penn State staff. Considering where things were two weeks ago and when the dust was starting to settle in the aftermath of the previous coaching regime, it come a long way in a hurry. Yep. We, we kind of had that conversation right now with the NIL news on the football front. It, it is a week-by-week thing sometimes in college athletics when the pendulum swings. Uh, we have a lot to look forward to in your coverage this week. And by the way, uh, you mentioned Ace Baldwin, uh, Kern coming to campus here, a future incoming Nittany Lions. Trey Potts told us he'll be he'll be attending the Blue-White game as well, an incoming Nittany Lion. Last time he was in Beaver Stadium, he was a visitor for the Whiteout in a Minnesota Golden Gophers uniform. He will be graduating from Minnesota at the start of May, making his way to campus. Uh, we had a long write-up on Potts from a conversation with him last weekend. So if you missed that at Lions. 247.com. Encourage you to check it out. Tyler, what do we got in store this weekend for our listeners slash readers uh, as they make their way to lines247.com and try to make sense of what is going to be, I guess we can call it controlled chaos from a recruiting perspective. All I can really say is just stay tuned, man. Like, honestly, <laughs> like I feel like that's really just the best way to put it because there's so many things that could happen this weekend. I, you know, it's blue white weekend. I feel like that's, that just sums it up perfectly. Don't be expecting don't be surprised if there's some fireworks. In football let me put it this way. Let me let me make your let me let make your your job even harder. Over under on commitments. We're combining basketball and football, and we'll carry it through Sunday. So a commitment on Monday or Tuesday coming out of a visit doesn't going to count. This weekend, over under on commitments three and a half is where I'm setting it. Three and a half. I'll go over with that. If we're we're factoring basketball in, I'd say the over. All right. Uh, you promised by Tyler Calvaruso at yes. least four, maybe seven or eight commitments. Uh, maybe so, the whole class so, will come together this weekend. You're, you heard it here first, and, and then we'll find out early next week on the podcast if you were right, and we'll break it all down. Tyler, appreciate your coverage here on the podcast and certainly over at lines247.com. Big weekend ahead, and, and we'll be along for the ride. Well, thanks for having me back, man. Next time I'm here, we're going to have a lot to talk about. That's right. Talk to you soon, man. 
All right. Uh, as, as Tyler just said, next time we sit down for a podcast, there will be plenty to discuss. We'll talk more about recruiting and, and all the ramifications there early next week. But on Saturday, coming out of Beaver Stadium, after we get a chance to talk with players, hear from James Franklin, whatever else we get to observe in Beaver Stadium, we'll be back with a post-game podcast. Of course, you remember that from the 13 matchups last season. Uh, we got one here in the spring. We'll break down everything that we saw coming out of, of what we hope to be a very informative experience of watching Penn State uh, football in action on the field. And many of you fans will be out there along with us. So thanks to Josh Pate. Thanks to Mark Brennan. And thanks to Tyler Calvaruso. It has been a jam-packed show, one of our longer shows in a while. But again, hopefully you save this one for your tailgate, maybe the ride into town for the Blue White Weekend. And if you're wondering why we didn't talk about the blue-white game itself much, we did a lot of that on the last episode, so I don't want to leave you hanging there on our Tuesday episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. A lot of storylines with the blue-white game, so circle back there if you missed it. We'll be back soon with another episode from Beaver Stadium. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.